0: Let's listen keenly and observe this group fondly known as the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Hello out there in uh, Podland or wherever you are. This is Trevor from the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about news and politics and sex and religion. We're up to episode 312 and uh, with me as always, Shay the Subversive. How are you, Shay?
1: Very well, thank you.
0: And Joe, the Tech Guy. Good evening, everybody. And Joe, the tech guy from central Queensland. Good on you, Joe. So I do this. We've got a bunch of topics that we're going to run through. We normally look at news and events and what's going on in the world and thrash it out. If you're in the chat room, say hello and we'll try and get to your comments. Don't defame anybody when you're in there because – Potentially, uh, I could be liable for it, or, or even Joe might be. We'll get to that. So. so anyway, we're going to talk about defamation. We're going to talk about Texas abortion law. We're going to talk about some COVID stuff, a coal mine that was approved by Susan Lay, a little bit on climate change, see where we get to join in and say hello in the chat room. Now, first up there, I found this quite interesting. I don't know how interesting you guys found it, about the High Court coming out about Facebook comments and that the owners of Facebook pages would be liable for defamatory comments made by people commenting on their Facebook pages. So did you come across that, Shay? Did you see that in the news?
1: Yeah, I didn't see it in the news, but I saw your article on it.
0: Yeah. So this comes about because of a case of Dylan Voller, who was in Northern Territory juvenile detention. and. Various media outlets on their Facebook pages had stories about him. And it wasn't so much the stories were defamatory, but the comments that were made by people on the Facebook pages, Dylan alleges, were defamatory. Uh, But what he's saying is that the media organisations that owned those pages are responsible for those defamatory comments. And so it went to the High Court. And our High Court, which I reckon is a pretty good one at the moment said, Mm -hmm. yes, you control that Facebook page. You have the ability to remove stuff. And importantly, they sort of emphasised as well that the media groups were encouraging comments and it was in their interest that people commented lots and that there was a sort of a business reason why these media organisations wanted lots of comments. So... They said, yep, people who comment in such a case, the publisher is liable. So it now goes back to the trial judge to now look at the individual comments and decide whether they are defamatory or not. So this was sort of a preliminary move just to see whether the comments can be held against the publishers. So that uh, has put a – well, that should have put a scare down the spine of anybody with a Facebook page that they're administering.
2: The the scary – The scary part was they said it didn't matter whether they removed the comments and Mm -mm. became aware of it. Mm -mm. The fact that the comments had been published in the first place was enough.
0: Yes, and that's always the case with defamation. Once it's done, it's done, although it will potentially reduce the amount of damages if you've removed it quickly. So not as many people got to see it. So the thing, though, I sort of read through most of the case and it focused a lot on the owners, mainly the newspapers, as being responsible. But it did use the word administrators a fair bit in there as well. And it didn't specifically say that admins of Facebook pages would be responsible as well. But they didn't say that they wouldn't. And they used the word admins a fair bit in there. So, so you know, turning my mind to something like the Noosa Temple of Satan page, where often there are Articles sort of put out there that paint Christians in a bad light (laughs) and people feel encouraged to get in the comment page and start swinging hard at Christians. You know, as I'm not the owner of that page, but as an admin, I might be. I'm not sure yet. So something like our little chat room that we've got going here, the owner of this podcast and could be liable for defamatory stuff said in the chat room, so keep it clean in there, James and Don and John (laughs) and Bronwyn and Tony, defamatory stuff. But potentially Joe, who can sort of control the comments, potentially liable as well, maybe. Who knows? Like it's actually, if you're in a group that is exposed or seems to have a high exposure, you might want to consider resigning from it. Joe,
2: <laughs> ever thought mm, of that? It's obviously <clears> – <throat> no, that's not that much redone. Maybe may be like moderated happen. content only, mm. so people can post, but it has to be approved by a moderator. Yeah. And whether we see those tools becoming available for certainly the Australian pages will be interesting. Yeah. I think... In this case, it's, it's a bit difficult because there is no – even if Facebook turned it on, we'd still have YouTube
0: and Twitch potentially. Yes. Yeah. So they made the point in the case that people could set up the page so that nothing gets published as a comment unless it's approved, Mm -hmm. like you can set up a page like that. But of course that requires manpower and work and effort and you know people don't want to do that if they can avoid it. But uh, the court said, well, you're able to control these things. So I remember when we were talking about freedom of speech, going back one or two years with the 12th man, and we're looking at whether groups were a platform or a publisher, and looking at Twitter and whether it could ban the fact that it was banning Donald Trump meant that it had control over what occurred, and that then meant that perhaps they're responsible. So, if you have control, it tends to indicate you also then get responsibility. Whereas if you are something like GoDaddy who just provides an ability for people to publish websites, you don't really have a control on that. So, yeah, the more control you have, the more exposure to liability and if you're out there and you're, you're not even an owner but just an administrator of a Facebook page and defamatory comments are made, there is some risk there. So, Do you
1: think it could have some like good implications though as well. Yeah. So I having a conversation with a teacher today who was saying maybe less attention on clickbait type articles and more attention on factual reporting. Because if it's actually problematic that you're going to be causing up controversy, perhaps you'll avoid it. Yep. And another possibility is that do you think it would give some commenters pause? before but, I know they're not technically but, liable
0: but oh no they are too so the commenters right. are also liable but the yes. point is do they have any money and it's just difficult to sue them so from Dylan Voller's mm. point of view he could undoubtedly have sued the commentators but it's just much easier to sue News Corp isn't it so I suppose. yeah he could sue both so the commentators are still liable yeah that's a point I, I didn't mention so yeah
2: I think you're right and, and, I, to your point Trevor, around the comments on the misathemplation to, I I don't know that you could be necessarily defamatory against a group. So if you went, all Christians are flogs. Yes. um, (laughs) Hypothetically. (laughs) How how easy that would be to
0: prosecute.
2: Mm. Whereas if you named an individual and made defamatory
0: comments about the individual, that would be different. Yes, we'll get on to what's defamatory. So that's true too. One option is as well, so, well, the Parliament can just pass a law to fix this. So, you know, the High Court Mm -hmm. said, well, here's the law as it stands. Now, it's entirely open to the Parliament to pass a law and say, well, actually, under this Communications Act of 2021... the owners of Facebook pages are not liable or something like that. So that can be fixed that way. So there is that. The other thing you could do is you could think about putting the ownership of a page with an entity that can afford to be sued. So you could have shell companies or things like (coughs) that that you could use.
2: You mean like the
0: Catholic Church um, Cemetery Fund or whatever it was? Yes, so the the Catholic Church has lots of different entities. So when things go sour on one of them, it's sort of limited to that particular entity. So, I mean, it's a common practice in business that you would, with a business, you might have a holding company that owns all the assets and you would have an operating company that operates the business. So if a legal liability is created through operating the business, then that operating company gets sued but not the holding company. So, you know, that's a sort of a common thing is to try and, just think about who owns these businesses. So, you know, maybe the Noosa Temple of Satan needs to create a company limited by guarantee that then owns the Facebook page so that then that's who gets sued. So, incidentally, dear listener, this podcast is owned and produced by Zen or PDYLTD. <laughs> uh, if you would like to sue for any defamation made by any of the participants <clears throat> or the owner, it's Zenor that owns it, not me. So... That sort of thing is going to become increasingly important until the courts fix this up. Little disclaimers like that. So, so yeah, that's things to think about. But according to Facebook, an admin, an editor, and a moderator are able to respond to and delete comments. So potentially, they're all potentially liable for defamatory comments. It's an interesting one. So, so I think it actually will help, maybe make to- Facebook less toxic, which is what you were talking about before, Shay. That mm-hmm. I reckon. Even something like the Noosa Temple of Satan might just say, you yeah, know, this article here, we'll just reframe it or we'll calm it down a bit because we don't want people going too rabid on it. I think I think you could see groups maybe instead of unleashing the, the, the wolf pack, if you like, they'll think twice about it perhaps. So, yeah.
1: I've seen from most of what I've seen from the Noosa Temple of Satan, hmm. I, they're Comments are often hilarious and yes. they they and and sensible. Yes, but I guess I'm on I'm on a particular team, aren't I? Yes, but it's actually when some of the people who are opposed to the Noosa T- Temple of Satan they have the really ugly, ugly comments. Yeah, so, and for them it still stands, right? Yeah.
0: Well, you know, the other point right. is I might be able to go onto different Facebook pages and find people who have defamed me because of my court case and make a claim against the publishers of those comments. So, Joe, I did an interview with, it was RT or something, and um, oh, like yes. an international um, website, and it was crazy. It's Russia Today. Russia Today, yes. What? It's owned by Vladimir Putin, or at least
2: his government. It is a wholly owned state publisher, and it contains about
0: as much truth as Pravda did. Yeah. (laughs) The the main focus of the comments was whether I was Jewish or not. Yes. (laughs) They were convinced I was Jewish. A couple of them said. There's an amazing amount of anti Semitism in those comments. A couple of them said, look at his big nose. Seriously
2: <laughs> uh, And how Bell was obviously a changed name Yes so That you weren't of Irish descent
0: Yes, exactly um,
2: But you'd obviously changed it from s- something very obviously Jewish
0: This is all true, Shane This is absolutely all true They were convinced <laughs> I was part of a Jewish conspiracy Funny.
1: And why had you been invited on?
0: Oh, because the guy had seen the articles and found it an interesting topic and he gave me a fair interview and I was, it was all very fair, the interview, but it was just crazy yeah. how these people had, <laughs> had jumped to this conclusion about a sort of some sort of Jewish conspiracy that I was part of.
2: Yeah. I, I
0: just found that a music board actor was interviewing an Aussie on a Russian yeah, Joe, your f- internet is going a bit off on us. You might have to take your video off if your stream isn't strong enough. Joe, dear listener, is in central Queensland, tethered up to some some mouse running on a treadmill or something. So we might take Hotel Joe's- Wi-Fi. Yeah, hotel Wi-Fi. Okay, so that's better. Joe's going to disappear video-wise, and we'll just have his audio, which will help. So, But, yeah, I don't look at the comments on any of these things. It was just that Joe alerted me to the whole Jewish conspiracy thing, so I, I had to look at that. So... <laughs> So yeah. So anyway, but yeah, there'd be plenty of people who've said awful things about us that we might actually have a claim. So works Mm -hmm. both ways. Mm. Might turn it. Might actually turn this Satanism into a profit-making exercise. With uh, (laughs) with, (laughs) so look, we just need to let's talk about what is defamation, just briefly. Anyway, so it's a question of fact to be determined by court, considering a number of judicial principles whether reasonable members of the community, either seeing, hearing or reading the matter, will likely lead to a lowering of the relevant person's reputation, lead others to think less of them, make others shun or avoid them, cause others to ridicule, hate or despise them. So that's the nature of the sort of what is defamatory. There are defences. If it's Uh, justification if it's substantially true, things like privilege in parliament, public documents, fair reporting of, of a public thing, so a court reporter, court reporting. The difficult one is an honest opinion expressed as an opinion on a matter of public interest and based on material that is apparently and is substantially true. So someone like Friendly Geordies, I guess, is relying on that as one of his defences with Barilaro. So and there's also innocent dissemination. If you're a bookseller or a librarian handing over a book that's got defamatory material in it, you could have that defense of innocent dissemination. So so yeah, defamation, I think this is one where the core where the parliament could possibly step in and do something about that. Now, so that's enough about defamation. In the chat room, I'll have a look at those. Shay, Mm. I well, I heard about a voluntary assisted dying, well, it wasn't a prayer vigil. (laughs) It was just a a get-together yesterday. You want to tell us about it? You were there.
1: Yes. (laughs) So yesterday outside Parliament House in Brisbane at, I think, 5.30, about 200 people gathered. Deep Throat was there. Did he talk? Um, was he one of the
0: official speakers? or he was No, just so the
1: president spoke on behalf of their group. So a whole range of groups were there. There was a couple of MPs already there, nothing we haven't really heard before. Paramedics were just discussing what it's like to be frontline staff and have to come to scenes where elderly, frail or really sick people see no other way out than suicide and they've accidentally overdosed or that type of thing and having to be the first responders and let the families know and, you know, it is it is unnecessary. And they were calling for compassion and I think these laws are really fair, mm. really well considered, really fair. I can't see why you'd but oppose they them. Yes. <laughs> they make
2: baby Jesus die. They baby Jesus
1: cry. <laughs> yes. So anyway, Deep Throat was saying, I think he said, they needed 47. Yes. And he's expecting 56 MPs to okay.
0: vote yes. Yeah. I saw a report in the Courier Mail or the Sunday Mail which said that there were 43 already who were kind of public and said they were definitely going to vote yes. Okay. And there was a whole bunch of undecideds to draw from and then a reasonable number of no's. But on people who had already publicly said they were going to vote yes, 43 already and in a fair... In fair number of people who hadn't yet said to be drawn from. So that sounds good, yes. All the word on the street is it's quite positive. So for people in other states, mm-hmm. Queensland, our parliament is debating it over the next day or two. I think a vote might be Thursday or something. I'm not exactly sure. The yeah. big question will be the really uh, the Catholic Church, is the biggest fighter against it, and what they're really arguing for, they've kind of given in that they're going to lose in terms of some sort of voluntary assisted dying being allowed. This particular act allows for it to occur in Catholic hospitals in certain circumstances, and so they're really pushing hard to try and have that part of the legislation changed before it's passed. So, yeah. The
1: Catters. Is- The Catters have also come out to say that they want the bill amended to include something around palliative care for regional Queensland. Mm. And, yeah, so anyway, it should still pass without amendment, but there's lots of people trying to cash in and and have it amended to suit their needs.
0: So with a bit of luck, I might have – he doesn't even know it yet, but I might have Deep Throat on next week, hopefully – to talk about the he's
1: success. Like, I want to come, but I'm at capacity. It's <laughs> like I've got all these jobs my wife wants me to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, he's a busy man, deep throat. But- so, Alison was there. Alison's in the chat room, and I see she was there at the gathering. So, took a lovely photo as well, Alison. Nice photo. I might even use that with this podcast, Alison, if that's okay. So, yeah, so we remain to see in Queensland, but it's looking pretty good at this stage. And it will be. A and tr- the
1: opposition leader, he came out and said he voted no. He's
0: yes, vote no. Catholic yeah, as well. That's only so. yeah. one Yeah. So, yeah, there's a real. It's it's. It seems to be purely based on religion. The people who object are all mm-hmm. relying on their mostly Catholic Listen, what faith.
2: way is Tim Mander,
0: voting? Haven't heard. Don't know. Does anybody in the chat room know? Alison, know what Tim mm-hmm. Mander's doing? but I'm not sure. Actually, Mm. it might be in the Sunday Mail article, but I don't know that I've got it handy. I don't think I do. All right. Well, still on uh, religious groups trying to interfere with good laws, let's turn our attention to Texas in the United States of America. Mm. Or should I say Gilead? So this is quite extraordinary what's happened in Texas, dear listener. So in America they've had... Roe v. Wade, which was the case which basically legalized abortion in America. The whole abortion debate, by the way, is just such a beat up because if you go back long enough, the religious groups just didn't care and it was really done as a political move by some religious groups and it just got developed a life all of its own. But There was certainly a period in American history going back to the 50s, I think, where, 50s and 60s, where the religious groups, it was no big deal, abortion law, but it was made a big deal for political reasons. So, anyway, Roe v. Wade um, was, you know, the decision that legalised it in America. And what Texas has done as a state to try and overcome this law is they've basically passed a law to say that women who get an abortion after the sixth week of pregnancy, they can they could be sued by any person in Texas for $10,000. And not only the woman who has the abortion, but anybody who assists, which could be the surgeon, the nurse, and the Uber driver who took her there, can all be sued. So it's a kind of a vigilante system <laughs> where they've set up to encourage private citizens rather than the state, private citizens to sue these people. And the way it's been framed is that if you do decide to sue somebody, to say they were involved in one of these abortions, then then actually John in the chat room says, not the woman. Okay, must be all the people who are assisting. Thank you, John. So Mm. the, so the doctors and assistants and the facilities, et cetera. So what they've done is they've said to a Texan, if you do sue and you happen to lose, you won't have to pay their costs. So it's really easy for them to start actions against people and not even have to worry about the cost. And, of course, if they win, they'll get their costs. So really tough for potential defendants to have to defend these potentially spurious claims and not be able to get costs back as a deterrent. So Tony in the chat room also confirms, specifically not the woman getting the abortion. Thank you, guys. Okay, that's why it can still stay within Roe v. Wade and doesn't, in their eyes, contravene it. That makes sense. So what do you reckon, Shay, sixth week week of pregnancy? Most women wouldn't even know they are pregnant.
1: That's right. Hmm. So speaking of fairness there just isn't any mm. in this law and from what i heard on the news a whole range of people are scrambling so a transport company has come out to say that they're starting a one million dollar pool fund to defend any of their employees who come up against this law which mm-hmm. is just, just so unnecessary and they made perfect perfect argument about we don't really ask people why they are going where they are going. That's not part of the service either. And a question of bodily autonomy. Mm. And, yeah, it's just like it's hard. I'm I'm struggling to get words because I'm just, like, raging. Because it probably will be unconstitutional, but that could take years. And in me- meanwhile, abortion centres are so alarmed by this law that they haven't been open for business. Mm. So the law has worked per se mm. because women can't get a service and then as as the point you make so unless you're actively practicing to get pregnant Six weeks is not a long time mm. because you have your. I mean, I know everybody knows probably too much information, but mm. you get your period every month. Mm. So mm. you could likely conceive right after your period and be four weeks, six weeks pregnant before you even think to check why you, you know, aren't normal in your cycle. Mm. Just, and then you've got, to, so get, you've got to get something unfair. Yeah,
0: you've got to make a decision mm-hmm. and decide and. Go somewhere and get it done. Like it's just Roman in the chat room says the Texas governor argues <laughs> that six weeks is plenty of time for a woman to get an abortion, therefore they're not banning abortion as such. Uh,
3: and
2: it's technically not six
0: weeks. Mm, it's fetal heartbeat. Yes. Which is around six weeks. Yes. So it's about whether a heartbeat is detected or not. So so it's just an extraordinary situation where these conservative religious groups have taken control of Texas and thumb their nose at, at women, <laughs> Half According the to
1: this podcast I was listening today, they've also taken control of the Republican Party. So it's yeah. very unlikely now that you'll have a Republican ever run who is pro-choice and it's unlikely you'll ever have a Democrat who's pro-life. Mm. By fracturing these party lines this way is, you know, Really impactful that you just, you're over here on this team so you think this particular way on this particular issue. Hmm. It's a spectrum. When people think this sort of stuff won't happen in Australia. I think that's naive.
0: You've only got to look at the Queensland Parliament right now with this exactly. bad law where it's it's basically the hardcore Catholic religious on one side and everybody else on the other uh, to a large extent. So,
2: I saw a comment today on the... Sherrod Blay post right. that the Noosa Temple shared, mm. <clears throat> which was saying it was, it was the satanic Labor government that had introduced abortion laws and they were hoping that when the LNP came into power, they
0: would overturn it. There you go. Of course. <laughs> like, I mean, we st- I started this podcast with Scott and then with Paul, you know, six years ago, and we were banging on about secularism and the need for it and, and railing about religious people sort of taking control Too much influence and too much power, and this is the sort of thing that had us worried, as we could see, happening in the States and is increasingly happening here in Australia. You need to know what your politician's religious belief is in order to understand, to a large extent, much of their voting, what their voting practice will be. So Mm -hmm. it's a hugely relevant thing. And if you want to know, in terms of our federal parliament, you can have a look on the website for the Iron Fist Velvet Glove and have a look at the Secular Index where I got down there every member of parliament to the best of my knowledge what their religion is and also I've given them a score as to how secular they are so so you know it is possible to be religious and secular and Dan Andrews in Victoria is one example but gee they're few and far between so just I think as James in the chat room said, what did he say? He said, I'm difficult to believe that America can throw its weight around globally and behave like the Taliban in Texas. It's it's true. Mm. Yeah. So frightening, really. I mean, this is the United States of America, and if it can happen there, it can happen here. Just give it enough time. So... That's scary.
1: Two weeks ago, I was at another rally for the discrimination bill, it's supposed to be coming in the end of this year. And largely, I'd say it's probably about 100 people there. Mostly, I always get the letters wrong. I apologise for my
0: LGBTIQ? Ignorance. No. Thank
1: you. <laughs> Thank you, community. And I was just standing there thinking, yes, these people are clear that this law will be largely enforced upon them but couldn't you be a middle-aged divorced man Mm. and lose your job over that Mm. my point is is that it's not likely to be enforced on particular groups it's only likely to be enforced on these particular groups so how do we get the people that are less impacted to care because that's what we need we need more humans
0: how do we get people to care, Shay?
1: Yes. How? I thought you'd have the answer.
0: Well, I've said it before, but part of the problem is people are too busy and they're scrambling around with no time on their hands to even know about things, mm. let alone I think when people know they might summon up some empathy and care, but people are so busy they don't even know. So I think that's part of the problem, but I have no solution for that. <laughs> If you've got one in the chat room, please put it forward. So so that's, of course, what's also happening in America then is that other states have said that they're going to do the same thing. So North Dakota, Mississippi, Indiana, Florida, South Dakota and Arkansas have said they are looking to adopt a similar ban. There we go. Oh, dear. Have you read Margaret Atwood's books on... Gilead with the Handmaid's Tale show. You've read them at all?
1: No, I haven't. Good
0: books to read, dear listener. Yeah. In those books, the USA just gets taken over by these these guys and it's looking more and more like a documentary than a, than a dystopian fiction. But anyway. So in America, the Satanic Temple over there has joined in the fight, and they're arguing that according to their strongly held religious belief, people have their own right to their own body and that this would be a breach of their religious freedom. But previously the Satanic Temple hasn't had much luck in these sorts of arguments in the United States where the courts have basically ignored them. So don't know that they'll have much luck, but good luck from us in that one. And Joe you made a comment about gun control do you want to give your gun control theory?
2: Yeah it's been suggested that a state such as California which is very left leaning well by by american standards very left leaning could possibly introduce an equivalent law that allowed in the case of a shooting death that the people involved in the supply of the weapon could be sued by any any party in the state and make it a mirror law of the Texas. Yes. You wouldn't uh, have the, to be a victim the, the of Supreme a shooting. Court re- mm. Yeah, the, the Supreme Court had refused to stay. So they not refused to hear it. They just refused to stay it. So somebody would have to be sued and then it would have to be appealed all the way up to the Supreme Court before they'd actually hear it and have to make a ruling. Mm. But in the meantime, one of the other states, one of the democratic states could introduce gun control in the same way. Yes. Which might f- push the Supreme Courts to think very, very hard about whether they want this.
0: Yes. Yep. So that's that's one option that could be done. The other thing, of course, is that people have been flooding the website with supposedly false claims of of assisting abortions by the legislatures who have passed this stuff. So... You know, if there's no costs against you for making a false claim, well, why not just make I, a po- false claim? Is that right, Joe? I I believe the legislators are exempt. Ah, okay. But it was suggested okay. that their families are not. Okay. So so yeah, cluttering up the system with with a bunch of claims is one thing that's happening. So anyway, that's Texas and the United States of America, and if you just, that's just another piece of evidence of the decline of the empire as it uh, withers away into irrelevancy over the next couple of decades. Right. Just quickly, I found this one. I always think of Japan as being relatively reasonable, but a right-wing female nationalist has vaulted into the contest to be the next Japanese prime minister, Taka Ishii. If Paul was here, he could give a really good pronunciation. She's sixty. She's a conservative nationalist who wants to promote patriotic pride and rejects apologising for Japan's actions in World War II. She worships at the Yasukuni Shrine in Tokyo where hanged war criminals are revered as Shinto deities. And her policies include changing the post-war constitution to remove the constraints on the armed forces. And she opposes Japanese women keeping their own names when they marry. So... Japan getting a little taste of religious right-wing nuttery, I think, potentially there. Nobody's immune. I also read something, I haven't heard much about this, but there was, I think they passed the legislation that political parties now need 1,500 members. Joe, did you see anything about that? Or No? Yeah, I did see
2: some commentary around that. The international socialist youth, I think, were asking people to join them, but they they reckon that 30 small parties will be deregistered when this law comes into effect.
0: Yep. So just from our own experience back when we were members of the Secular Party, they needed 500 members, and it was always a bit of a struggle, but eventually they got there. But I couldn't imagine a group like the Secular Party being able to rustle up 1,500 members unless something dramatic has changed since I was there. So a lot of minor parties are going to disappear I don't know, what do you reckon, Shay? Is like I mean, if you can only rustle up five hundred fifteen hundred doesn't sound like a unreasonable number to be a political party. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think I think when you look at the Palmer United Party and Craig Kelly and all this mad bizarre mm-hmm. stuff that's happening seems kind of sensible. To do it, but then... It's
2: 1,500 people or a member in Parliament. Yeah. And, of course,
1: Craig Kelly
0: is in Parliament.
1: Oh, so it doesn't help us there.
0: That's right. So Clive Palmer doesn't need to rustle up 1,500. He just needs the one member.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, he's cleverer than me. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course, Lord. if he has a falling out with that one member, then he no longer has a party, <laughs> <Yeah>. does he?
1: has <laughs> right. a reputation for it as well. You
0: could put money on that perhaps, but yeah. So, if you've just got one mm. member, that's enough. You don't need the 15. Well, I don't know.
1: you were part of a minor party. I was never part of it. Did mm. you think it was uh, like really worthwhile? I think 500s plenty. I didn't
0: really think about the number at the time. But um uh, mm. as I think about it now, like You know, 500 isn't many.
2: Yeah, but um, my understanding is even the major parties have problems getting members. Yes. Mm. People are just apathetic.
0: Yes. Mm. Yep. So, anyway, that is what it is. And a lot of minor parties are going to disappear from the scene over the next little while. Well, look, scooting around various different topics at the moment, but just another obscure one to get through is you might remember Susan Lay, who was part of a case where these kids sued her and said, if you approve coal mining operations, then that is harmful to us because it will exacerbate climate change and therefore you owe us a duty of care. And therefore, we're suing you under this new notion of duty of care, seeking an injunction that you not pass a law enabling this coal mine. And at the time, the court said, good argument, like it. Yes, she does owe you a duty of care. But we're not actually convinced that she's going to approve a coal mine at any time in the near future. So we're not going to give you your injunction. But we like the idea of it is what the court said. Anyway, she's come out and she's approved a coal mine. <laughs> well, she's approved Wollongong's coals application to expand existing underground coal mining at its Russellvale colliery north of Wollongong. And yeah, back in May, the federal court ruled that the Environment Minister had a common law duty of care to protect younger people. So so what's happened here is, I think, as part of the argument in this that's going to come forward, and I'm not sure where I got this from, but her her defence or her argument in this case, Lay wrote that she had found the mine's expansion was unlikely to lead to an increase in global average surface temperatures based on advice she received from the department. She said this was because the mine was unlikely to cause more coal to be consumed globally than would be consumed if she refused the project. So she also found the project was unlikely to cause harm due to human safety because it was likely that a comparable amount of coal would be consumed in its place if she rejected the development. I think this was in her reasons for approving the development. So she will basically be saying, I'm not exasperating, ex- exacerbating climate change problems. I haven't breached my duty to these children because if we don't sell the coal these people they're just going to buy it from somewhere else and burn it anyway so we haven't really that's a clever argument (laughs) (laughs)
1: she's actually done them a favor see she's not surprised she has a duty of care so
0: so she hasn't broken it because (laughs) hey if i don't sell it someone else will so how could you (laughs) say that i've
2: interesting excellent so, so you can kill someone because they were going to die at some stage anyway.
0: Yes.
1: Meanwhile, she's appealing, so she's trying to get that duty of care thing.
0: Yeah, but I think in her reasons she said, well, even if I do have a duty of care, I haven't breached it because overall in terms of the planet, if we don't provide the coal, somebody else will. So there we go. Interesting argument. We'll see how that one flies. We'll come back to that at some stage in the next few months. But, yeah, I thought that was a really cute argument anyway. All right. Let's talk about some COVID stuff. So one of the things I was thinking about, although that has been going through my head, is about people. We're obviously now turning our attention to what rules we can impose on people to force them to be vaccinated is a big thing that we're all turning our attention to and these vaccine passports and the need for people to get vaccinated who don't want to and what we can do in terms of pressures on them to force them to come to the party. So so what I was thinking about, or what's become apparent was that what harm does somebody who is unvaccinated cause to the rest of us? And Because we know that vaccinated people can still catch the COVID and can still pass it on to other people. So if vaccination doesn't prevent that, then what's the difference? People can either get it from a vaccinated person or an unvaccinated person. So that's kind of the argument that people are making is that is that sort of argument and at the end of the day the evidence seems to be that well breakthrough infections don't always happen with vaccinated people so it does have some effect in stopping people from having a breakthrough infection by being vaccinated and also when you are vaccinated then you just you clear the virus more quickly reducing the length of time you are infectious and can pass the virus on so if you hear the argument from people to say, well, you can get it even if you are vaccinated, the point is you are still a much greater risk to the rest of the community if you're unvaccinated because your chances of actually passing it on are greater and you're going to be holding the virus with a high viral load longer than somebody who is vaccinated. So
2: so Trevor, hmm. you, remember, you remember your discussion of the R0 recently?
0: Yes, yes. That was the rate Basically, at which people infect, infect someone people. else. Yes. And yes. with Delta, it was kind of five, six, seven somewhere, not sure. But one yeah. person, yep.
2: And so what they're saying is the vaccine and masks both have an effect on the r naught figure. And if you are vaccinated and you wear a mask in enclosed spaces, you could drop the r naught down by possibly a couple of... Uh, degrees mm. so you could drop an R not from six down to four mm. so you're still infectious mm. but uh, yeah as we saw with the figures from a six to a four was the difference between what was it ten deaths and a thousand deaths yep
0: yeah. huge difference uh, a couple of notches yeah. in that number yeah yep yep so so anyway I thought that was interesting because it is something that you see in Facebook posts and commentary. Where people uh, talk about why should they get vaccinated? Uh, If they don't want to, it's their own risk. And the answer is, well, actually, you're also more of a risk to the rest of the community. That's just how it is. That's the science of it. Um, Yeah, it's
2: kind of like saying, oh, well, it doesn't matter whether I'm uh, 0.06 on my blood alcohol Mm. or 0.70. Because, you know, I'm, if, if I'm drink driving, I'm drink driving. It doesn't matter how much over the limit I am.
0: So I never watch morning TV. Shay, tell me you don't watch morning TV. Watch Sunrise? No. Or, good. Okay, so the high profile of Australia's most popular breakfast show, Sunrise, have refused to have their noses powdered and hair styled by any crew members who are unvaccinated. What is likely to be a landmark development for the entire local television industry? So, many staff who do hair and makeup are freelancers who work on other shows throughout Sydney. So, there's one in particular who refused to get vaccinated and she has been barred from working on the show. So, what do you reckon, Shay? Fair enough.
1: Well, We've certainly seen during this COVID, like I just related to our like flight attendants experience. So we've seen how quickly an unvaccinated flight attendant, she could be doing four sectors a day. So she could come up against a thousand people in that day, kind of freelancing from Melbourne, Sydney, Sydney, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane. Mm-hmm. So if she's, if she isn't vaccinated, could be a super spreader event. Yep. So Qantas mandated vaccines. Meanwhile, there have been people who genuinely need an exemption, and they're just like, I'm not kissing my job goodbye. And mm-hmm. I don't know what the answer is for them. I right. genuinely don't.
0: Why do, why do they genuinely I, need an exemption?
1: They're claiming that they have research to suggest it would mess with IVF.
0: Ah, okay. That's interesting. have that yes. You heard that. Yes. I, I believe I that's not heard correct. That right.
2: So, so there has been concerns about fertility. And my understanding is the
0: concerns are unpounded.
1: But fertility and actually using IVF is different. Mm. So it might yeah. not be actually
0: mm. your ability to That's an interesting
2: one. I, I, I think when we talk about things like vaccine passports, I, I think it's we need a doctor's recognition that you are sufficiently protected. And whether that's you're unable to have the vaccine you've had the vaccine or you've been exposed recently enough for you to have a degree of protection. Hmm.
1: Is it not a bit lazy mandating? Couldn't we run an education program or have people speak to doctors, nurses, people in their community?
2: It, it is lazy, but unfortunately, hmm. it's very difficult with the amount of misinformation that's out there. Mm.
0: Do do you reckon, though, we could have a... Why do we need something mandatory about blood alcohol levels when people are driving? Surely if we just educated people and said to them, don't drink and drive. (laughs) It's the threat of getting caught and having a fine that stops people. (laughs) Same with speeding. All the education in the world, people sometimes need... You know, it doesn't always cut it does it yeah from that point of view yeah
1: you're right we can coerce or we can use incentives
0: yeah or we can do both yes
1: or we could do both
0: yes or we could use carrots rather than sticks maybe (laughs) so i've got on the on the screen for those watching in the chat room this is in your opinion should being vaccinated against covid19 be mandatory in the following circumstances And there's a list of occupations and starting at the top, health workers at hospitals and clinics, 83% of people reckon, yep, it should be mandatory for health workers. Aged care and disability care workers at care facilities, 82% of Australians think, yep, it should be mandatory.
2: In Queensland, they're actually having problems finding aged care nurses that are willing to be vaccinated, which is shocking.
0: Yeah.
1: Is it? Is it shocking, considering yeah. their conditions are so low? Just mm. because you're an aged care nurse doesn't actually—I don't think that always means that you've done a nursing degree, does it?
0: Is it—is it nurses or just workers, Joe? Or well, you probably no, no, it nurse. was nurses. Yeah, yeah. Mm. One of the nurses it unions.
1: There seems to be something going on mm. in aged care in particular.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I find it strange. That a nurse would not want to be vaccinated,
2: but nurses are notorious for pseudoscience and quackery. Unfortunately, right? There is a, there's a large number of them because a nursing degree isn't necessarily around the science. Yes.
0: Okay. Um, it's more vocational.
2: And but but my thought was, you know, aged care. You're going into a facility where there's an at risk population. You know, it just
0: it's beyond belief. I think knowing that you're working with a high-risk group. Yes. If you're in the caring profession and you are really caring about your clientele, the little old ladies and men in your nursing home, you would... Yeah. But I guess if, as you say, there's as Tony in the chat room said, sort of at the same time you were saying it, Joe, he commented and said, there's a lot of pseudoscience and woo in the nursing community. Yeah.
1: You know, I... I just think people never valued these sorts of caring professions. Suddenly Mm. they do. Now we're all like, how could they? Yeah. (laughs) That's so frustrating.
0: Yeah. They've let us down. Yeah. 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 So anyway, back to this. So in terms of professions where Australians think it should be mandatory to be vaccinated to work in them, so the top one was health workers at hospitals, then aged care facilities. Third one on the list, Shay, for passengers. Can I just quickly
1: say to John, if mm. you don't want a nurse who isn't vaccinated looking after your parents,
0: mm.
1: come to some rallies around increasing their wages and their conditions. Mm. What is that expression about cheap labour?
0: Mm
1: pay them, value them, appreciate them, and you never know, they might follow health advice. Mm. It's so annoying. Mm. Anyway, as you were saying, Trevor, I'm in a bad mood today. Sorry. Good on you. You're
0: feisty. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for passengers going on flights, 77% of people think it should be mandatory for passengers. doesn't talk about flight attendants, but one assumes even higher. You would have thought Teachers and teachers' aid 74%. Spectators at events, six sixty nine percent For patrons to visit hospitality and entertainment venues, 68% of Australians think if you want to go to the cinema or a pub or a cafe or a restaurant, you should be vaccinated. That's what 68 It's interesting percent.
2: looking at the male-female spread. Mm-hmm. So health, aged care, passengers to go on flights, mm-hmm. more women than men, and teachers. Yep. But as soon as we get to these sports events, hospitality venues, employees, it, it's suddenly women less caring than men are.
0: Yes. Don't know what's going on there. So No, it's a bit bizarre. Yeah. Given that, yeah, I don't know. Customers at retail shopping stores, 58%. I don't know. Look, in Denmark, I believe at the moment, it's it's quite liberal there at the moment. They've basically said we're working as if if you've had the chance to have – vaccination you've either got it or you haven't it's up to you and we're just charging on as per normal now we're not having passports or anything we're just doing it and I've got the feeling my prediction will be in Australia we will have initially these sorts of requirements and then we will then we will abandon them i reckon after a while so I reckon we'll be dead keen first up and then after a while we'll just go <laughs> we're over this and we'll drop it so
2: well, I, I think once it becomes endemic mm. rather than a
0: pandemic, yes,
2: it'll be it'll be much like the flu vaccine.
0: Yeah. So that's where I think we're heading. So anyway, that was from essential poll today, and just briefly in that poll for, I'll never get vaccinated. It was only six percent, so that was
3: Hooray! a nice low
0: figure. So hopefully that carries through for the rest of the population. Oh. I see a lot of comparisons between a driver's licence and a vaccine passport and seems a sort of a fair analogy to me on a lot of levels. Seeing that, one thing I was, you know, one law I'd like to consider, we did this actually, Scott and I, years ago, I remember we were talking about organ transplants and Mm. people who refused to be an, an organ donor, we thought... That they should there should be a system so that those people are then put way at the bottom of the list to not receive an organ if there was multiple applicants for the one organ seemed like a fair solution at the time, and one of the things with the unvaccinated would be it's kind of tempting to say to them, even okay, the fact that they're actually causing more potentially more harm to other people means it just we. have it's hard to just let it go through to the keeper. But if, for example, there was no extra risk from unvaccinated people, it would be really nice to be able to say to them, well, of course, if our hospitals are full, then you don't get to go in and bad luck. So so that was sort of... These people are at risk of, of being segregated... Or discriminated against anyway for legitimate reasons. So if the hospitals are mm. full at some point, and they're talking about the hospitals getting full, mm-hmm. doctors will be able to say, well, this particular person has, is vaccinated, this one isn't. The vaccinated one, we actually got a better chance of saving them if we will use our limited resources on this vaccinated one and we won't in the same way that we won't give a lung transplant to a smoker these sorts of things these sorts of decisions are made when there's limited resources so so that's only when there's limited resources and the beds are numbered and they're having to really distribute scant resources hopefully we won't get to that point and even Stupid people who are voluntarily unvaccinated who could have but decided not to, hopefully we're still able to look after them in a hospital somewhere. So a bit like when, you know, in hospitals we do look after people who have had lung issues but they're a smoker or they're in a car accident and they didn't put a seatbelt on or a motorbike accident and they didn't have a helmet on, we still say to these people, well, you're bloody idiot but we'll look after you anyway. So, so provided we've got the resources, that's... Now, that should pan out. Oh, the other one I thought. Here's, a, here's an interesting one. How about this law? No sick leave for COVID if you're unvaccinated and the employer <laughs> can ask to see a negative test.
2: Interestingly enough, in negotiation with unions at the moment yep. about mandating vaccination for frontline staff, And those who are required to come into the office to work right so they're very 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 keen on supporting people working from home yeah but they're saying for for the people who are out in the community for those who are in the shops and those who are in the data centers or the the operation centers where they babysit the network they are negotiating around making it mandatory right yeah and and The usual anti-vax spiel was in the forums about whether or not it should go ahead. And they're saying, look, we'll transfer you where it's possible, maybe. Hmm. But at the end of the day, if there's no suitable role, it's quite possible you will be let go. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. And
2: they're they're saying because at the very least, you know, the the people who are out and the, the field staff are... I think to go into a local government office in New South Wales, you're now going to need to be vaccinated. Yep. So they have a legal requirement for their staff. Mm. And again, for aged care facilities, one, one of my customers is an aged care facility, and they're saying that the government has mandated that all workers must be vaccinated fairly soon. All visitors, all contractors
0: must be vaccinated. Mm. Yep. Yep. So in the chat room, what do you think of my sick leave idea? No sick leave? If you're unvaccinated, and the employer could say, "Well, you're sick. Just show me you've got a vac, you know, that you've you've been vaccinated," and otherwise, your sick leave may not apply. I mean, if people get really, really ill and they're out of work for months because they weren't vaccinated, there's an incentive. Sounds a bit hardcore, I know, but it's a little bit tempting.
1: And you're yep. less likely to get long COVID if you're vaccinated. Yes. Or the completely yep. Yep. impossible to get long COVID.
0: Yeah. But if you're vaccinated, you'll get your sick leave. If you're not and you're sick because of COVID, then anyway, mm. haven't heard of that one bandied about, maybe because it's just t- totally outrageous. So so there's that.
1: Possibly too sensible.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so Prime Minister Scott Morrison at one point stressed yes stressed that under existing property law, businesses have the right to deny entry to unvaccinated people. He says that is the law. He says a business or a shop can refuse entry or service to any person as long as they don't breach anti-discrimination laws. So you can't do it on the basis of race, age, gender or disability. For example, okay,
2: Employers have a duty of care as
0: well. But for example, restaurants are able to deny entry to customers who choose not to meet dress codes as long as the rules apply equally to everyone. So people often talk about their freedoms and they, you know, freedom of speech and they forget about all of the things that actually are on the books already that prevent freedom of speech like defamation. Mm. And when it comes to entering businesses and being able to enjoy the facilities, there are already restrictions on, mm. on your entry. So, yeah, there are dress codes. And if you want to enter a, a club, like a surf club, down the Gold Coast, you have to bring your driver's licence with you to prove your address and where you've come from. No driver's licence, you can't get in. So Mm. it's, you know, another example of having to present a document in order to eat at, you know, a surf club. That's how it operates, Mm. unless you're a member, in which case you've got to bring your membership card along. So there are already some restrictions in our community for these sorts of things. What else have I got here? Did you get a text message from,
2: what's his name? The Craig, this, Kelly. Craig Kelly. Did you get one? I, I, I've, I've not only got one, I've also sent two texts to his private number. Yes.
3: Have you? Yes. Yes. Mm.
0: Now, was that his old Very politely, number? Was that his well, old number one was or his, his new old number? number
2: one, was, one was his new number, and yeah. all they said was, please remove me from your SMS marketing campaigns.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: Because sense. obviously it's illegal to send abusive, offensive or threatening messages through a carriage service. Yes. So I Jerry. would never do a thing like that.
0: Yes. So Crikey has been publishing his phone numbers. So they published his most recent one just the other day. So people might want to know what that one is. Um, see if but i can
2: apparently it's already been turned off
0: Ah, oh, okay so Aww,
2: yeah.
1: damn
0: <laughs> okay sorry james in the chat room no point getting to you so um giving that one to you because he's already changed it <laughs> <laughs> right what else have i got here guy sebastian are you aware of what he's up to
1: yes mm. yes so... when even ben lee criticizes you <laughs> Right. You've really done. <laughs> ben Lee's the one who songs, sings that song about being happy. Yes. I don't know if you've had yeah, but anyway, yeah. little folk singer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. To fly. <laughs> yeah. So uh Guy Sebastian um joined hundreds of his peers lending their names and voices to a pro-vaccination campaign named hashtag vax the nation. And He removed a Facebook post supporting the initiative and he said it was posted on his Facebook page without his direct involvement and he took issue with how the message was framed for his 837,000 followers and he said, quote, "'It is not my role to communicate "'in the way that that post was communicating. "'I would never, ever tell people what to do "'when it comes to personal health choices.'" I just want to say I'm really sorry. It was not a post that communicated with love or compassion, which I feel is what's needed when it comes to addressing things like vaccinations. Mm. So he's come on board on this thing and then he's backpedaled out of it. Don't take vaccination advice from pop stars. That's my
2: advice.
1: So he
0: says he's personally he says he's double vaccinated, but he just doesn't think he should be telling other people what to do. Hmm. Did you see who won The Voice during the week?
1: (laughs) Only because of your notes, Trevor. (laughs) So
0: so the winner was Hillsong devotee. So one of the theories going around is that they would have been red hot in the Hillsong movement for voting for her, and I reckon that could easily have been the case. They They know how to motivate people and to rustle up noise, don't they? We've seen that. Numerous Mm. times. Has she got any talent? No, she's a good singer. Apparently she has. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful singer. Because
1: I was going to say, like the one time Curiously Go Down to Hillsong, I did notice that, very professional stage show. They get obviously get proper training. I mean, there is a chance she won on talent, don't you think? No, she had an
0: excellent voice. But, yeah, yeah, with Guy Sebastian sort of in that Hillsong thing and her as well.
2: (laughs) Well, apparently he's not. He's not? Ah. No, apparently he's an evangelical, but he's not part of Hillsong.
0: Right, okay.
2: So, In- interestingly, the BBC just did a documentary that was filmed over a period of months with Hillsong. Right. And so, friends might have possibly made it available to me, which was an interesting watch. It was mostly about Hillsong, um, London, and Hillsong, New York, and lots of ex members, including the usual one from Sydney. Yep. Who wrote a book about them, and she's interviewed in every time somebody does a, a thing about
0: Hillsong. Yep. Actually, in the chat room, Camille says, Ben Lee's song was Catch My Disease, <laughs> which is more for the conspiracy crowd to stew on. That's very good. <laughs> well done, Camille. <laughs> Catch my disease.
2: Uh, and that's for James. I, th- I, I think your last word was not
0: needed. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> right. We avoided any defamation claims in those comments, Joe. Keep an eye on them. And, I think so. And, and and delete any that are defamatory because <laughs> Zen or L T D and potentially you are liable. Well,
2: <laughs> I, I don't know he's calling Trey uh, Kelly a prick defamatory. Oh it's substantially true,
0: perhaps. I don't
2: know. He didn't
1: name him. So
0: right. That's true. Yeah. Okay, there's an Ezekiel declaration which I read about in Eternity magazine and it's basically an open letter to the Prime Minister. We write to you regarding a matter of significant concern, namely the proposed introduction of vaccine passports into Australian society. For many Christian leaders and Christians, this is an untenable proposal that would inflict terrible consequences on our nation. And so... Christian groups, including the ACL, really anti-vaccine passports, many of them. Hmm. They seem to be find something in scripture that anticipated this and find it unchristian. It's, it's the mark of the beast. Yeah. Apparently. You see what it it's, really... Sorry, Shane? Uh,
1: I was just going to say what we've seen with this... Republicans are anti abortion, Democrats pro choice. We are starting to see here. Mm. I just think the Australian Christian lobby is picking up on some of these issues as a way to get more members. And I think it's working. I think the left needs to be paying attention.
0: Mm. Yeah. So on this one, it's a bit of a freedom argument because the ACL in particular is keen for the freedom of institutions to deny people who are not part of their faith wherever they feel like it. So so they like to promote freedom in some circumstances. On the other hand, they disagree with the freedom of an individual to end their life voluntarily when they see fit. So they... They pick and choose when it comes to their freedoms, but they're big on the freedom side of things. So they, this fits in with their freedom narrative, I think, for the ACL. So one of the quotes from this Ezekiel declaration is that a vaccine passport would represent the dangerous precipice of a therapeutic totalitarianism. And they made some different statements in there that are misleading and untrue, Thankfully, say, someone like Tim Costello in Eternity criticised them and said, in the end, an individualist libertarian ethic of my rights is not a biblical worldview. Focusing on my liberties and my rights has little resonance in Scripture. The message of Scripture is always about the needs of the other person or the least in the kingdom, not the rights of the strong. Indeed, the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. But at least there's somebody in the Christian camp who's basically calling out this whole libertarian, my rights argument that the likes of Martin Isles and the ACL seem to love promoting. Should be more of that, I think.
1: Mm.
0: Right, just quickly, some climate change stuff. So, Barbie Joyce. Did you see my spreadsheet? I might have, Joe. What did it say?
2: (laughs) So, this was the was it James who commented?
0: Yeah, it was. Okay,
2: it was what He commented because I'd mentioned historical emissions. Yes. And there was the question around what was each country's impact globally? Yep. And I th- I think China was the biggest polluter overall in terms of total
0: emissions. I'm going to put something up on the screen, Joe. On, keep going. But then I
2: pulled the raw figures and then did a per capita cumulative emissions. Right. And did a spreadsheet, which was a league table of who were the worst polluters. Right. And there were some weird ones in there that I couldn't quite figure out right but effectively china's per capita total emissions are negligible yes in comparison the usa was something like a thousand tons per person yeah europe were in the high hundreds australia was up there but i can't remember exactly where and, and you know some of the smaller countries it was like five tons per person
0: well i've got on the screen joe from our world in data which is cumulative CO two emissions by world regions. So this gets back to what Tom, the warehouse guy, was talking about when we were doing the climate change episode last week. Was about how much is China admitting right now, for example. And one of the arguments is that in the developing world, you know, they're making all of our stuff and they also need a chance to get through industrialization into service economies perhaps so it's a bit unfair for the western world to say well having done all this created all this pollution we're now going to penalize the people who and now that we provide services we're now going to penalize the people who are producing current levels of carbon so it is it was unfair to not take into account the historical amount of co2 emissions by sort of western powers if you like so on the screen is from Our World in Data, a calculation of cumulative CO2 emissions by world region. And basically, Europe, because it was the big emitter in the 1750s, 1800s, 1850s, has a huge responsibility for the amount of emissions that have gone on since 1750. United States, big but slightly decreasing. China, very small, but now increasing. And Asia was very small and now increasing. So there's an interesting chart, Joe. Is that the sort of thing you were trying to get to with your spreadsheet? Is that the same sort of thing?
2: So that was one of the charts from that page that I found. There was also a, uh, I'm just trying to remember what they call it, but basically a Blockogram which showed the size. So the, the bigger the blob, yep. um, the more emissions. Right. And the raw data for that, I then divided by per capita. Right. To produce a league table. Okay. Of who had made the most cumulative emissions per capita.
0: Well, next time you do that, give me a nice pretty graph like this one, Joe. <laughs> <What do you> <laughs> more- <laughs> Uh, all right, I can do that. Okay. so Don't uh, climate- no
1: bother sending it to me. I hate charts.
0: Okay. So Barnaby Joyce was being quizzed about, about his beliefs or his understanding of climate science, and he was refusing to say, and he said, Joyce, who was reinstated as leader of the nationals in June, likened basic questions about climate science to a baptism where parents are required to, quote, denounce Satan in all of his works and deeds, end quote. Have you been to a baptism at all, a Catholic baptism Shay?
1: Yeah, not for a lot of years. Okay. Yeah. Do you
0: remember when the priest said that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's It just sounds so weird. They say to
1: the parents, don't they?
0: Yes, and to the congregation well, kind of. On the
1: maybe. Yeah.
0: yeah, and the godparents. Do you denounce Satan and all of his works and deeds? Everyone's <laughs> got to go, yes. In all seriousness. <laughs> it <still happens to laughs> just reminds me of. Blackhead of two. Yes.
2: When he gets kidnapped by the Catholics.
0: Right. And what happens to him?
2: I'll, You'll send me it. Oh, link. Uh, and he's. I'll send you a link, but basically he's tortured and he has to uh, <laughs> confess to being in league with Satan and all of his minions. <laughs>
0: In order for the rack to stop stretching him or something like that? He's in a box, but anyway, yes. Okay. Let me see what else. Oh, here's the other one was climate change and school chaplains. So coalition MPs have urged Scott Morrison to increase funding to the government's school chaplaincy program to help address concerns that activism against global heating is causing mental health problems for Australian children. Basically, we need more school chaplains because climate change concerns are causing mental health problems for Australian children. <laughs> Yes,
2: we're we're not going to address climate change. We're just going to give you some more clowns, sorry, um,
0: uh, chaplains. From the very heart of society, least likely to want to do something about climate change statistically. (laughs) (laughs) And is there anyone, like we've just had earlier on this whole thing about Texas and the abortion law, and we say, oh, it couldn't happen here, could it? Well, when you just see nuttery like that, oh, because of climate change concerns and mental health of children, we'll throw more school chaplains in. Like, if we clearly the Gilead that's taking place in America can can happen here and is happening here when coalition MPs say that openly. So,
1: I'm um, really keeping an eye on the Respect at Work report because one of the recommendations has been education. And similar, I am really fearful about who's going to get that mission, if you will. And oh. I'm keeping a very close eye because where sexual harassment is, we definitely don't want chaplains. Part yes. of the solution is ending the shame, not creating more shame. Right. And they are not qualified to assist in the area of sexual harassment. We what? want proper, properly educated, trained people talking to young people about sexual harassment.
0: Yeah, they're not educated so to talk about anything. I will
1: fucking hell if mm. I, yeah, if they get that portfolio as well.
0: Mm. So, okay, what? Well, just enlighten me a little bit about this. this. This is which? What are we talking about here?
1: So. Uh, Kate Jenkins is a brilliant woman. She's sort of become the guru for sexual harassment, but she wrote a report with the assistance of a whole range of things. She really did a very comprehensive report called Respect at Work, which was submitted in 2019, I think end of 2019, sat on Christian Porter's desk, and then this year unraveled between Brittany Higgins, Grace Tame, and Christian Porter's... Right. Um, ..all the allegations, right? Yep. And the March for Justice. So recently Scott Morrison came out and announced that he was in part or in principle agreeing to put in all the recommendations. Since then, Kate Jenkins said that there have been 12 legislative changes that are recommended and of those Scott Morrison has agreed to six but he wants consultation, some more consultation on the other six. Right. So, so far... So good. But one of the recommendations is around education.
0: In the work Education
1: around consent laws, no schools.
0: Ah, okay. off oh, right. Yep. Yes. Yep.
1: So that's why I'm really fearful about who's going to get that, what do you call it, portfolio or yeah, task. Right. Okay. Yes. You're worried that I they're going to give the role
0: to chaplains. To chaplains. I, yeah. I don't think that could happen. I don't think so. Because they're not. Teaching at all, it—that would be a stretch. I think we can relax about that.
1: You reckon gee,
0: I'm. Been the wrong way thought. they
1: have bumbled this mm. so far, I Look, swear they consulted the ACL on that stupid video about milkshakes.
0: Yeah. Yep. And
1: not actually anybody appropriately trained. That's mm. how it looks. So, yeah. Mm. And I know they did consult, but just.
2: Yeah. Interestingly enough, studies on sex addiction shows that the people who are most likely to consult with a psychologist about sex addiction are not those who have a higher amount of sex or watch a higher amount of porn mm. than other people, but those who are the most religious.
0: Really? Yes.
2: So it's not that they're doing anything that their peers aren't doing. They just feel more guilt
0: about Ah, it. Ah, I see. Right. Yep. I'm surprised that they would seek help. So, yeah. There we go. Just back onto the climate change things I've got under this heading and the final few minutes is we mentioned about News Corp changing its tune to be now more of in line with the consensus when it comes to climate change, and... I listened to the Juice Media on that. Yes. And it was
2: a good podcast. And what was their theory, Joe? It's all about greenwashing, carbon capture and storage. And basically, carry on digging up the coal that's in the ground because we're going to have some magical technology that pulls the carbon out of it.
0: Yep. Yep. So, basically, easiest way to be obstructive is to pretend to agree but if anything substantive crops up anything real then say oh that's too hard too early you know we you know put a worm farm in your backyard and sort out your trash a bit better and very minor sort of meaningless things that they will concentrate on but not the big items that people really need action on so there was an article from i think it's website called the Renew Economy, which goes into their theory of of what's going to happen. And it's in the show notes. And whatever policies they can delay or destroy, they'll simply keep running scare campaigns about insisting that the balance isn't right and that the threat of climate action is greater than the threat of climate change. So while pretending to be sympathetic to sort of action on climate change, they will just work on the easy things that aren't really effective and that don't cause a problem for their their sort of coal companies and other miners and people like that. So that was the theory. Big, long article, but read that one. There'll be a link in the show notes. And Mm. I think that was about all I wanted to get to. Did you guys have anything else that you wanted to – on the table for this week at all? We're about done.
1: I thought it was interesting you raised Joe Rogan so do you remember sending that in your notes no i don't no. joe rogan what did i what did i say about joe rogan so he got COVID, and then what did you say now yeah, i'm second guessing myself but anyway here's what i wanted to say about joe rogan so yeah. i started listening to joe rogan no. as an opportunity for me to challenge my worldview, mm. and find out what the other people were saying it's been very interesting for that but he has something like 13 million people listening to his podcast yeah. and a lot of his ideas are just totally bizarre so for instance he has this premise that by not giving americans free health care it actually makes them more innovative Oh, uh... <laughs> they go to the school of hard knocks you know they don't get you know just free medication yeah and so his other thing about he's all about comorbidities 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 are the reason people get COVID, and they're the reason people get really sick yeah and I just thought it was really interesting that prior to him getting COVID, he, A, thought he'd already had it. He had invited a doctor on who tried to talk about vaccines. And typically Joe is, like, quite amiable. He just sits there and drinks whiskey and smokes weed. He doesn't really get fired up but yeah. around vaccinations he was really fired up Did he? Oh. so he is like yeah so my point is is that regardless of the human this whole this whole anti-vax thing is getting really polarizing mm. even for someone
2: I, I was about to say I, I i used to listen to him and the problem mm. was he had some great people on he uh, does and it was a great it was a great long format platform that you could listen to somebody that knew what they were talking about, but he would also have people on who would just spout the most ridiculous bullshit and he wouldn't challenge them either. Mm. And so I gave up when Kelly Brogan came on and she's a psychiatrist. I believe she's lost her license now who doesn't believe in germ theory. So she doesn't believe that germs cause disease. Yeah. And he spent three hours just nodding along with her as she spouted this crap, and I just couldn't listen anymore. And, mm-hmm. yeah, so recently he got COVID. He took a whole bunch of stuff, including monoclonal, monoclonal antibodies, mm-hmm. which are probably very effective, and
3: ivermectin.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, of course, all the anti-vaxxers are going, oh, it's the, anti- uh, the ivermectin that cured him. Yep. <laughs> yeah, And it's like Sorry. You can't just Assume from one case um, And he took a whole load of other drugs You can't just pick one because it suits Your agenda and say That this was what cured him
3: yeah. mm-hmm.
1: But that's exactly what he's done And he was so determined Because yes, like, yeah. I run Because I run every day And I lift That's why I didn't get really sick
0: yeah, I can see how that whole thing about making people more inventive and, and whatever it was, just, <laughs> Americans would love it. Yeah. Uh, hey, well, American man. ingenuity. American exceptionalism. We're special. There's lots of
2: libertarianism.
0: Yeah. 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 No, I I think I've listened to about 20 minutes of Jerry Rogan at some point and yeah. All right. Well, anything else before I wind off? Wind up? We're done, we're dusted. Okay, next week I'll be doing something. I'm not sure what it is. The panel will be back in two weeks' time. I think maybe social contract theory, maybe next week. Not sure. Dust off one of my books and deal with that. Thanks in the chat room. You guys have been going well and it looks like nothing defamatory that will cause me or Joe a problem. <laughs> and uh, all right. Well, right, we'll see you. I'll see you next week. The uh, panel will see you in two weeks' time. Uh, bye for now. See you later.
3: Bye.
0: Have a good night from him.
3: George, where it is so clear, it is a lynching at the highest level. Nobody can deny it. And I thank God that we have people in the streets. Can you imagine this kind of lynching taking place? And people are indifferent. People don't care. People are callous. You have just a few people out there with signs. I recall the moments in which during the Reagan years, there was a few of us out there. In the 60s, you had masses out there. Now you've got a younger generation of all of these different colors and genders and sexual orientation saying, we won't take it any longer. But you know what's sad about it though, brother? At the deepest level? It looks as if the system cannot reform itself. We've tried black faces in high places. Too often our black politicians, professional class, middle class become too accommodated too the capitalist economy, to accommodate it to the militarised nation-state, to accommodate it to the market-driven culture tied with celebrity status, power, fame, all of that superficial stuff.
0: Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, first up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast. You'll be discussing something at some time, and you might be repeating something I've said. And when you're talking to your friends, say, hey, I heard this on this podcast and it's worth listening to. And maybe pick an episode that you think's a good one and direct them to it. Like, grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron vis Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf, on their phone, and, uh, and just put the word out. The other thing is you could become a patron and support the show, so if you... Go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode and really the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from $1.50 Australian to I think $10 and various ones in between. It's really, what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, Is it worth... More than that, less than that, whatever you get out of it, because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe you really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less. But in any event...